We are uh, still in Ephesians, uh, those of you that have been out for a week or two, no, no big surprise there. And we're still in Ephesians chapter 2, and um, is that, can everybody hear me okay? Is it good enough? All right, you guys are already there, let me get myself there. Turn it too, too much? about that. Okay. Okay. All right, so um, last week uh, we looked at the latter part of uh, chapter 1 and the first part of uh, chapter 2, and one of the key, the key ideas of that is that there are several things that Paul, uh, in his role as a basically uh, an encourager and pastor to the various churches that were in and around the region of Ephesus to, um, to do several things, to in- encourage the group, to educate the group, uh, and teach them. And, and I think you'll see later on in our uh, verses today to also encourage them to, to do something, to inspire them uh, to do something. And there were several things that he wanted us to know. And that general concept con- continues today that there's some things he wants us to know, um, and the reason he wants us to know them is because I think he expects it to make a difference in what we do with that knowledge. And uh, we, uh, you know, we can be sponges to a degree uh, and and soak up some stuff, but um, uh, if you don't get squeezed out every so often, you don't get to be a sponge again. So uh, you just sit there and get moldy, and uh, I don't know what happens to sponges. Uh, Guess we'll leave that analogy there. All right, um, we're going to focus on verses five through ten today, but we'll um, read uh, the first few verses uh, as a reminder. Verse one: And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I'll stop there. But God, in verse 4, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So uh, that's really the, the, the gospel in, in, this, in this couple of verses. We were dead, and God has made us alive. And then by grace, you have been saved. And we'll focus on that a little bit more. Once again, it was, it was God's mercy that, that brought this forth. Not because we were worthy in any particular way, but just because God wanted to show himself uh, to be God. And, you know, we were truly dead, as we saw last, last week, that there was really nothing uh, of value in us, nothing that uh, you could say was commendable. You know, it's not like... Um, you guys watch any of these uh, shows on the DIY networks and the 
all these things where they they see this old house and they go in and kind of rehab it and you know there are some that look rehabable and some that look more like they should be condemnable well you know for us we were not made alive because we were good projects um, we were not just condemnable but all condemned there was nothing especially worthy about who we were but God wanting to show himself to be amazing uh, said you know I think I'll fix this person and uh, so the work of grace began uh, it says um, in verse 6 and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus now We've talked before that throughout Scripture there's this now and not yet component. That there are some benefits of being Christians that we have now, and there are some benefits as Christians that we don't have yet, but that we will get. And it says, seated us with him in the heavenly places. So, I mean, we're not in the heavenly places now, but we're going to have a place there. Growing up, uh, mom had a special dinner. It's not uncommon to have place cards, at you know, and uh, I guess it's to make it nice. But basically, as I've learned as an adult, it was to write people were next to each other so that nobody did anything stupid. Uh, that's I've, I've learned that's the real reason for place cards. Um, it's uh, like arranging the countries so that. The right countries are getting along next to each other. Uh, anyway, we, uh, mom and dad, were in Charleston this Thanksgiving, so we had a little bit smaller group at our table, and we, I was setting out the place cards, and I realized uh, I didn't, you know, through the years, you, we printed them, and we got this little stack of place cards, and we just kind of deal them out and use them over. And uh, I don't know what happened to mine. I guess I got gravy on it last time or something. I didn't have one. So, uh, so I found one for D. So that was me. I was, I was daddy that day. Um, but everybody that came to that table, they knew they had a place there. And so when I read this verse, that was the image that came to my mind. I've already got a place card up there at that table with my name on it, with a seat that's ready for me. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I've already got a place with Jesus at that heavenly table. And I can look forward to that. Um, it says in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Um, he saved us to show how great he is. He's going to continue to sustain us in this life to show how he is. And that's nothing. Because in heaven... However, wherever, with whomever that is, it's just going to be so much more amazing that this is just, just a taste. Just a taste of that. He's going to continue to show us his grace and kindness toward us. Uh, we're just getting started. And that should be an encouragement to us and a comfort to us um, that... Uh, as, as you've heard this phrase before, that you know, for, the, 
for the Christian, this is as close to hell as we'll ever get. For the non-Christian, this is as close to heaven as they'll ever get. Uh, so as bad as sometimes are for us, this is as close to hell as we're getting. Think about that. It, it's not a. It's it may be a little bit uh, uh, coarse, but uh, I don't really have a problem with the theology of it. All right, verse eight through ten, and this is where we'll focus today. Great, great, famous verses. Um, we we if you don't have these three verses nailed down in your head, uh, you should. If there's ever been verses worth memorizing. Uh, these, these are them. I'm not sure <laughs> that's proper English, but, but uh, memorize these. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Once again, echoing what Paul already said uh, earlier, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Um, a couple of uh, just teaching points here where it says, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift. So people have said, well, what does this, what is that referring to? What's the antecedent there? And also for the pronoun it, what what is it referring to? Um, is it referring to faith? Is it referring to grace? You know, what is it that's not of our own doing? Uh, apparently, there are very wise people who debate the various points of this, but but actually, they all agree that it really doesn't matter because uh, none of it is of our own doing. And in fact, some people say that um, it's actually referring to this saved word, the salvation word there, um, that it's all of it. None of it is of our own doing. The grace, the saving process that happens, the faith through which we appropriate that, all of it is not of ourselves. All of it is not of ourselves. As it says, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. Um, you can turn um, toward the left to Romans chapter 4. This concept, just kind of put your finger there, this concept of the relationship of works to salvation uh, was, a, was a common theme. You know, we talked about that to a degree when we looked at Galatians. Um, certainly his focus here is, is on the grace work that has been done. Um, it says in verse 9, uh, Ephesians 2, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And then when you flip over to Romans 4, you'll see basically another way of tackling this. Uh, verse 1, it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? In other words, what was so special about Abraham? How did he, how did he get where he got to? Verse 2, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. 
And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So, in a way, this connects us back to some of those discussions we've had before about the security that we have and our salvation. So it says very clearly here in chapter 2 of Ephesians and chapter 4 of Romans that there is nothing about our salvation that we can boast about, right? If we were doing work to earn our salvation, then it's no longer a gift. But it is a gift. Uh, It is grace. Um, The word grace and gift are very closely aligned. Um, If you think you can work enough to get your salvation, then what happens if you stop working? Well, then you might lose it. But if you didn't get your salvation through works, if it was all through God, do we really think that we're powerful enough to undo something God did? Of course not. Um, one One of many errors that the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses makes is this whole works thing. You know, they are really trying hard. If you've known any Jehovah's Witnesses, they really, really try hard. But they don't get anything for it. Um, I think I've shared before about uh, uh, a situation I heard where at this funeral that there was no security that this person of the Jehovah's Witness background was ever going to see their version of heaven. Well, maybe. Maybe if he did enough. Maybe. I don't want to depend on myself to get to heaven. I know myself too well. Uh, I'm much more pleased about the notion that because God saved me that I've got the place card there just because he wanted to do it. That I can have some security in. There's a flip side to all this that we'll see. And that leads us to verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as someone has said, you know, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. And now sometimes, um, because we really do preach salvation by grace, sometimes um, it seems so easy that the faith that, that we bring to the table um, doesn't seem very deep because you would think a, a, a faith that, that has brought you to salvation was all, would also be a faith where you would want to continue to follow the person that you're putting your faith in, that you would want to do good works. Um, as part of that. And, and that's, that's what we're here for. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, yes, good works don't make us any more commendable. We all know the verse, you know, our best is as filthy rags. We all 
know that, but that refers to us trying to gain favor from God. So we don't, we don't do things for God because we have to, because it's going to make him like us more, but because we want to, right? It's because we, we, want, we want to do that. Um, we want to do it. Uh, good works are important. Matthew 5, uh, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So when we do good works uh, in, in Christ's name, then that adds to God's glory. That's the way it's supposed to work. And Colossians 1, 9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. This, of course, is Paul talking asking you that you may fill, be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual withstanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleading to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We were, were saved to do good works. Uh, we know this verse, Second uh, Timothy 3.16 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We know that the second verse, or the verse that comes after it, uh, that was verse 16, verse 17 says, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So all this learning that we're doing is so that we can be equipped to do good stuff in God's name. Now, it's going to be different for different ones of us, but it's all working. Um, to break this down a little bit, it says, these are good works which God prepared beforehand. That's kind of cool, right? As you, as you hear that, if you think of that concept that God has in his sovereign plan lined out things for you to do, how does that make you feel? Scared. <laughs> How, Tim? Because you might not do what he wants you to do. You might you go fail. You go fail him anyhow. All of us fail. But it's, it's scary that he's got us something that he really wants us to do, and we might not hear what he wants us to do. All right. I think I may have an answer for you on that one. <laughs> but it is humbling for sure to 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 think that God has something for me. I, I'd like to do a good job at it. I don't want to. I don't want to drop the baton. You know, I don't want to throw the interception like Cam Newton <laughs> did several times. I thought they really played well, by the way. I thought the Panthers did well. Um, what else? Is it, what does it? What does that make you think when you say God has planned beforehand? And we know from the first part of the book how far back beforehand goes, right? Beforehand goes like before the creation of the world, like that beforehand, right? That here he was, looking at all of us, thinking, you know, I got some things lined out for Tim. That's something to think about. Um, God prepared beforehand, and I love this verse that we should walk in them. Um, the way I look at it, this is our everyday stuff that we should walk in them. And I think God not only equips us like these verses I just read for those good works. If you use the verse that, that says grace is 
the desire and the power to do God's will, which is another definition of grace. And if you think about the concept of spiritual gifts, which, of course, is all in 1 Corinthians, that God has, through the Holy Spirit, endowed us with, with certain attributes, then he has equipped and prepared us to do the good works, which he has also prepared. And it says that we should walk in them. Now, to me, God knowing me knew that he probably needed to put those good works right in front of me. So when I say, as, we, as you should walk in them, I picture going down the trail, there's a limb over it, that you gotta, you gotta confront this. You gotta go over it. You gotta climb. You gotta, or you're gonna trip over it. I think God, knowing me, says, you know, here's something that you need to do. It's gonna be right in your face for you to do, and it's gonna be something that I'd like for you to do. and I'd like for you to like to do it. I think He works in accordance with us. I gotta tell you, I've got, I've got kind of problems. I, I know we got mission folks here, but in the old days, the the, you know, very often the traveling preacher that would come through and, and lay some guilt trip on you to go be a missionary, I don't, I don't think that's usually the way it works. I also have a little problem with this whole idea of our calling that appears to happen to just preachers. I don't, that's another topic. Um, but I think if there is such a thing as a calling where God puts a desire in your heart to do something, he's not going to have to guilt you into it. It's because he's going to want you to do it, right? And yeah, I'm sure there are times when we're either more or less obedient to that, but I don't think he's going to, you know, he's not going to call me to go be with athletes in action. I'm not an athlete, right? It's not gonna, he's not going to call me to do that. Uh, I, I think God works. It says we are his workmanship. He is working on us so that when those good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to do, we can do them. We are his workmanship so that we can do good works. So that we can walk in them. I think it's part of your every day. You know, as you put on, you know, you, I, I put on my work clothes, right? My work clothes for me is my name badge, which is a requirement in the state of South Carolina. If you ever see a doctor who doesn't have his name badge on, he's breaking the law, or she's breaking the law. You're supposed to have your name badge on, and I drape my stethoscope around my neck, and that's my, that's my work clothes. And I'm doing my thing. All of us, so to speak, have our work clothes on. For some of us, it might be dressing up and going to the senior meeting so that you can meet that person that needs to be encouraged that day. For somebody else, it might be waking up and dragging out your stationery because you're going to write that note of someone who needs it that day. I mean, we all put our work clothes on, but I think it's part of our, it's that we should walk with in them, that, that it should be part of our everyday thing. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that we're going to miss. I think it, you know, certainly by this stage in our lives we are who we are. You know, we've this whole thing 
which I also have problems with, where we tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. Well, that's a lie. They can't be anything they want to be. At some point, you're going to have to make a choice and do something rather than everything. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Ted and Esther Payne. They used to come here. Uh, Esther's from Switzerland. She said in fifth grade, they take a test, and that tells them what they can do. If you do amazing, then you might get to go to engineering school or whatever. Um, she did very well. She was a dental hygienist. That's what they told her she was going to do. She was fine with that. I, I, interesting. Um, one quick thing. This word workmanship is a word where we get our word for poem. We are walking poems. Have you ever written a poem? It takes a little work. You got to think about it. You got to you got to think about your words. You got to put it down. You're, you're thinking about what you're writing about. God created us as poetry so that we can do things. I came just to make my point real quickly. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. That starts off, of course, a pretty famous poem. There once was a man from Nantucket who kept all of his cash in a bucket. But his daughter named Nan ran away with a man and asked for the bucket, Nan took it. Those are both poems. They both have their purpose. They both do their thing. Some of us are as different as those two poems were. But I think they're both pretty cool in their own way. We don't have to be like anybody else. We don't have to feel guilty because we didn't do the such and such that so-and-so did. We have our own thing planned by God ahead of time. We just need to work it. One final point. You're never quite through with your house, right? You're never quite through decorating, Mama. You never have things quite tweaked just the way you want them. You think God's done with any of us? We may retire from our job job, but you don't, require, you don't retire from God's job. You guys need to be just as engaged now as you were when you were 10. So do I. And draw from the fact that God puts you where you are for the purpose that he has you there, and he's not done. You're still walking. Some of us better than others. But we've got some work to do. All right, I better quit. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you saved us. But you didn't stop there. You gave us work to do. And you equipped us to do it. And you put it in front of us so that we probably almost have to trip on it. Help us to say yes to the things that you put in our way 
for us to do. And help us to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.